0: This podcast is brought to you by Live Right Play. For over six years, Live Right Play has focused on finding and developing some of the best songwriters, producers, and artists on Music Row. Our current roster includes Olivia Lane, Skip Black, Matt Nolan, and Tony McVaney. You can keep up with Live Right Play by following at Live Play on Instagram or going to liverightplay.com.
1: Young. Young. Young Entertainment. entertainment, Young Entertainment professionals, Professionals. Young Entertainment Professionals. You're listening to the Young Entertainment Professionals podcast, a series featuring the next generation of creative and business professionals in music, TV, and film. Hear their stories on navigating the industry with the help of the Young Entertainment Professionals Network.
0: My biggest thing is you can have the best ear. You can know. You hear music up and down, but when you're in a room or when you're in an elevator and somebody asks you about something, you want to know what's going on in the world. You need to know um, for your own benefit.
1: Miss Lexi Deeb, welcome to the Young Entertainment Professionals podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad you're here. Well, you're not literally here. You're in LA right now. Yes. Yeah. In my bedroom. And, and literally the same. People can't see our FaceTime yeah. right now, but childhood, yep. nostalgia.
0: Yep. It's um, a new, new way of working.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. How has it been for you?
0: It's good. Still adjusting to my, my workstation within my apartment, but um, the workflow has still been positive and healthy mm-hmm. and we're still seeing traction on the licensing side. So can't complain in that
1: regard. So you're the director of advertising and branding for Secret Road. Which That's is a major it. publishing company that um, focuses on sync. So can you talk about your role a little bit and you know t- yeah. kind of the changes and shifts that you've seen in advertising during this quarantine time?
0: Totally. Um, so to give a little bit more background in case anybody doesn't know about Secret Road, it's um, licensing company, publishing company. We also have a management wing. Um, it was founded in 2007 by Lynn Grossman, and our main flagship artist is Ingrid Michelson. Um, so she's like, who, um basically what the whole company started around um and from that our reputation became singer-songwriter and we have we represent a lot of Nashville artists as well um, a lot of like the 10 out of 10 collective that started there probably gosh that was probably 15 or more years ago yeah um but we work with a lot of those songwriters so um when I came on board I actually went to Belmont Nashville Connection, and did Belmont East and West, and when I was out in Los Angeles, interned at Secret Road. Um, Around the time of graduation, they had an opening, so moved out, started out on the film and TV side, so pitching and assisting with getting all the assets for different TV shows um, that the songs from our roster were being placed in. Um, Along the line, moved over to the advertising side, and that's where I've been full-time on doing domestic and some international advertising uh, for the past like year and a half. So that's been a good, a good change. And I like having worked on both sides of, of all media, basically. Um, Let's see in my day to day, um, we're basically, uh, well, it's, it's somewhat just a reactive, I would say it's a little more reactive than proactive, but of course, we're, we're always pushing new artists out and marketing them. So we want to always be on the proactive end of like, we have these great unreleased songs or we have these songwriters, let's pair them up with this great producer, let's make some magic happen. Um, but on the reactive side, we are working with music supervisors day in and day out, whether that be at a film studio, at an ad agency um, or a freelancer who works across all medias or video games. Um, so they are sending us briefs usually saying in some cases they can't afford a certain song it's it's too well known it costs too much um there's a lyric or something that's not fitting right and they can't edit it accordingly so do you have alts for this um so that's kind of the day-to-day is fulfilling those briefs seeing what we have within our roster or what we can create that might um that might better suit that scene might better suit that that need for that supervisor so that's kind of where we just try to have the best music on hand that we can send and then once they decide on a song if it happens to be our song and it lands in the spot then we negotiate the terms usually the terms are presented up front however there's sometimes where it's just you know the basis of creative and then they're like what can we you know where would you price this at give us a ballpark or you know here are the quotes that we're working with what would fit within this range so then we go and we negotiate okay well different terms, different territories, um, different medias within that, and then negotiate and paper the deal. And then if we're lucky, it goes to air and everyone sees it. And then that song becomes a smash hit. I love it. <laughs> it there... doesn't always happen. But, <laughs> but when it it's does, fun to think it would.
1: Exactly. Um, is there an ad placement that you've worked on recently that you really enjoyed or you thought was a very, that turned out to be really interesting and unique from what, you've worked on before
0: um it's hard to say i don't want to like put other spots down in a way but um a recent spot was a dignity health spot i believe it's only running in about half of the u.s so listeners in certain states might not have heard it however it was a covid response ad um and basically just a thank you to the nurses doctors um cleaning crews frontline workers that are Ascent, considered essential and still working you know tireless hours and um just trying to say you know we're here for you we're we thank you for putting in your time and your work um and the song was lindsay ray's keep you safe i don't know she's a nashville songwriter and she's amazing and is such a powerhouse with her writing and her singing um so this was actually a song that was written at our we partner with the hawaii songwriting festival Oh, nice. Um, so it actually was written with that kind of brief in mind, and the supervisor was able to find it and get it into this this beautiful spot, thanking these frontline workers, and it just all came together, and it it made my heart happy.
1: Oh, I love hearing and that. And it might make some people tear up <laughs> when can you, you watch the spot. Can you look it up, like on YouTube or something? Or is it yes? Okay. So
0: currently, it's it's on the. You can I think it's linked through the Secret Road website and our Instagram, but I believe it's also on the Dignity Health SoCal Instagram as well.
1: I love that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What has been different from, what has been different about going from working in TV and film to specifically ads, TV ads?
0: Definitely. Um, They're both... I It comes down like if you talk to any supervisor, I think it comes down to the song and it comes down to the creative, like what is going to serve this scene the best. Um, So that's where we come in, like, do we have the material to pitch to them that's going to fit their needs? But the biggest differences, I think, are the budgets and the volume and the timeline, Mm -hmm. the budgets on the ad side, because usually if it's a huge campaign, they're going to have, you know, it's it's notorious that an advertisement is going to have some money behind it. However, it's fewer and far between. You might only see on a publishing roster, you know, getting an ad sync. Sometimes, like we always say, a sync is a miracle Mm -hmm. because you might see an artist that has so many placements to their name, but even getting that and landing that, like there there were so many hands that touched that, that that moment, that scene matching up with the music, like. That took a lot of work, and that could have easily not happened. So we're always thankful that something even lands. Um, but on the advertising side, so like the budget is a lot more on ads, but for TV, you'll see a range of budget. It really it depends on, it depends on the timing of the use. Um, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Um, and then the volume of it, like I was saying, with ads, they are fewer and far between. Because if a campaign, let's say for a car brand or... Um, a healthcare brand, you license it for to run for probably a year term, and um, that brand might is not going to come back in the you know in the meantime of that year with new spots. They may run different voiceover on it, but um, with TV, there's so much content being made that they have to fill you know one season of a show. Let's say it's 10 or 13 episodes, and they're an hour long each. depending on the type of show, they might have a lot of music, so they have to then, you know, piecemeal that budget out for each song's use. So I think just the volume of TV, it's the quicker turnaround time, um, it's going to air quicker, and you're probably, you know, you're just like churning it out kind of thing. Um... And then film, you kind of have some lead time because sometimes the film is only going to a film festival at first or it gets bought and then you have to renegotiate rights if you didn't include an option in the license. Um, the nitty-gritty of the actual deal points. But um, a film might be worked on. The animation takes so long to, you know, perfect everything. So take, for instance, that that form of a film. You might be working on it for five years. So they, can't, they don't want to use a song that... Um, was big five years ago, because then it doesn't seem as relevant. So that's where you'll see a lot of like kids' animated films, they might create a song for it. And Disney of course always has like a killer song in their in their films, but (laughs) they um, do. Yeah. But that's also a fun thing is like with with the roster that we have and the the really strong writers that we have, we're able to create songs for sync as well. So when those opportunities roll in of, hey, we want to have somebody give this cover a go or Right to brief for the specific opportunity, we can offer that to our writers
1: and then create some magic. I love that. And what kind of tips and advice do yeah. you typically give your writers? I mean, I'm sure it varies based on the brief and what it calls for, but what generic advice do you give your writers um, or in, anyone that's interested in writing for sync um, for advertising? Um, you know, when they're approaching a brief, how to go about it creatively. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, well, specifically to advertising, you have to think about what portion of the song you are going to be using. Um, A standard ad is maybe 30 seconds. You'll see 60 second and 90 second ads, but 30 seconds is a pretty common one. And then you'll see cut downs of 15 seconds and six seconds. Um, Those are for the more like digital quick ads. You'll see them on Hulu as well, Um, just as an example of like where that goes. So you have to think about um, what's going to grab the attention in those time spans And typically it's going to be the chorus or the bridge. So I usually tell people focus on those areas for the ad. And then it also has to have space in there so that if you're cutting that song, you know, the editor's cutting it to the picture. They have to be able to work with the stems, the instrumental, um, in order to, to make it line up with the movement that's happening on the screen. Um, the same could be said for film and TV, but I think, um, it just has to have like, I don't know, it has to start smaller and then build. That's always what we, you know, any good song probably has. But what we always have to keep in mind is just making it go somewhere. Yeah. And also making the instrumental go somewhere. Because you'll see a lot of like tech ads and um, I don't know. I mean, it depends on like the category of it, but they'll use instrumental only. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe there's a voiceover in the spot, but they have to have something to carry the movement as well. So we always say to our writers, keep in mind the instrumental. Um, you know, if the vocals really strong on the song, we also need to have the instrumental carry that same weight so that if, if a supervisor falls in love with the song with the vocals on it, they might hear the instrumental and that's what they're working with to picture and it just might not work. Mm-hmm. So keeping that in mind. And then also lyrically, um, I love songs with, like, names and cities in them. However, they're not the best for saying, not to say that that we rule them out completely. Um, They have their places within certain projects, but it's always helpful. You know, we can't exactly say, we're going to pitch a song that has New York in the title to (laughs) all different states because it's not going to apply anywhere else, really. Um, So those are kind of the things to keep in mind.
1: 25 years of experience, Morris Light & Sound is committed to giving their clients the very best. They take the time to listen, strategize, and construct a custom environment tailored to their clients' goals. Whether it's a driving concert, church service, or live event, Morris is ready to help design and implement their state-of-the-art lighting and audio systems. Morris also provides live streaming packages with state-of-the-art lighting and audio equipment. Morris works with some of the entertainment industry's biggest stars, and they want to help you as well. Visit experiencemorris.com. To turn your vision into reality, follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at exp morris. Can you talk a little bit about like the marketing part of what you do, and maybe how that ties into what you were what you were just describing, and how you use um, your your marketing tools to help the future of an ad, or whether it be the future of a writer that you're working with.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think. Um... Of course, we, Secret Road works with a lot of independent artists and writers. So anytime, you know, we're always trying to kind of sell them in a way and really highlight who they've worked with, what they've been able to do. Um, So we're, you know, marketing their releases, but we're also trying to like tag the files and make sure that we know, oh, that specific song has a breakdown here and it would be perfect for this spot. So it's really almost like... um, You know, marketing them as a label would, but also uh, making sure our clients have the unreleased material, making sure that the writers and producers have the stems and instrumentals on hand um, when we need them. And then also just learning and knowing the catalog like the back of your hand is honestly like what helps when we're going to when we're putting them up for certain jobs. Um, But yeah, I feel like the marketing side is, is fairly standard, but we have a good, good reach, I would say.
1: What are, what are some of your interests that maybe have led you to wanting to work? Let me reword that question. I actually wrote it down.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, oh, and also,
0: should we touch on like the COVID shift? I don't know if I like, fully covered that.
1: Yes. Um Okay. <clears throat> I'm gonna ask that first and then I'll go into the question I just did. So then I can like remember at this moment to add it in there. Um, So in terms of ads that are highlighting uh, brands and their shift with the thing that's going... (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, I'm trying to get this question out without adding ums in it because I wanna make it very to the point. What about saying like, um, have you seen
0: like COVID-19 response ads? Yes. Or have you seen a shift in advertising for that? Maybe?
1: Yes. It's better. <laughs> you yeah. just, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you reminded me of what I really was thinking. Um, well, I know. I was like, I meant to do that. Yeah. Anyway. You're fine. Um, so have you seen a shift in advertising in terms of COVID-19? Um, and maybe some examples that you've seen that, you know, t- attest to that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, When the COVID-19 crisis started, uh, or pandemic rather, um, we were all gathering, you know, our hopeful, optimistic, but emotional, heartfelt, you know, leaning songs to kind of send out to our clients. And then all of a sudden, you know, it comes and goes every day. But at the start of this, let's say in March of 2020, we were seeing briefs. all day and all night for the that type of music and a lot of it was like piano based um uplifting but still emotional can't be too serious but we want it to hit these notes and and make you feel something um and then it, it turned to thank you um every brand wanted to be there let their audiences know we're here for you we're thanking you um thanking the essential workers and you know, shifting their tone to whatever campaigns they were running, let's say at the tech brand, launching a new phone. It's like, Oh, well now we have to factor in, you know, you might not get, or Amazon might not be able to deliver right away. Um, those kind of things, but who are getting those shipments out, um, that kind of thing. So oh, about a month into this, when now it's April, uh, or no, it's May. Honestly, May oh. it's it's spring. Oh, God. <laughs> Right. Okay. So a few months into the pandemic, we're already seeing a, a second wave of, of these COVID-19 response ads where it might've started out as the sentimental piano bit. And now they're like, maybe we want something more uplifting and optimistic and upbeat, you know, saying we've powered through a little bit of this. We're going to continue on. We're going to be stronger because of this. Uh, we're going to come out of it on the other side. Okay. And I, I think we will, and I hope we do, but all of the brands are are telling us that. So we're going to believe it. (laughs) Um, but we, you know, we've seen a lot of briefs and with, on the sync side of things, there's the Guild of Music Supervisors and they actually hosted a panel a few weeks ago about the COVID-19 response advertisements and how the tone is shifting and, in some of the spots that we've seen. So one that really stuck out was the Zillow spot. They did, um, they used Bob Dylan's shelter from the storm and it just, it's very fitting. It just shows a house, the outside of it and the lights continuing on and off as on a time lapse. And it's just, it's a really nice sentiment of like, you know, we, we might not realize that people are still buying houses and in, mm-hmm. in the crazy world that we're in, even though we're told to stay at home, um, people still have to move and people still have to get groceries and, you know, do all these things, but the brands are highlighting those workers. Um, so that's one that sticks out. And then there's some, I think there was a Hershey's campaign where they used, a lot of the brands are shifting to like virtual because they can't shoot it, the production in person. Um, So I think Hershey's got a bunch of like virtual Zoom parties, if you will, and then pieced it together and said like, we're still in this together and, you know, chocolate's going to be there whenever you need it. We all
1: need some chocolate, right? Yes, we do. And do you feel like, I mean, going off of that, um, I feel like COVID-19 and i I feel like what I'm about to say, it's not, I mean, it's not necessarily positive, but in a way, like I'll watch TV or I'll watch Hulu and it's like, okay, I watched this commercial and almost anybody can relate to it because of this. So do you feel like yes. advertising is almost just more universal in their message because of what's going on? And has it honestly, totally. has it been like that before without this virus? Do you think? I
0: would say it's so specific to the brand at hand. Um, but yes, every, every brand I feel like is trying to say, we are all in this together. It is a universal message. That's what they're going for. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think depending on the region and depending on the area, they might be targeting in a traditional sense, pre pandemic, they might have been targeting a specific group of people or a specific age group, but now it says, you know, open it up. We're here for everyone. And, and that's kind of how it should be. And hopefully we'll see this continue to go forward. For sure, um, but on that um, oh, cool. kind of oh, on that note of um, using the covers, we also you know the shift in tone and advertising we've seen, but um, we also have seen a need for cover songs, and that comes into play when I think it's just a really great way to bridge generations. Like it's a modern artist that you might be hearing on the pop charts right now, but they're covering an artist from the '60s or the '70s. And it's hitting their parents' generation or their grandparents' generation, and it connects that whole family line when they're sitting together at home watching that TV show or that ad, and they see the cover, and it's like, oh, that just that was a really cool use of that song, um, or oh, I recognize that tune. Why do I know that? And then you're you're paying more attention to what what it's selling or what the brand is behind it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've never even thought about that, but like, it kind of goes mm-hmm. off your point about the whole the Bob Dylan song. Um, which I don't remember, yeah. is, is that actually him singing in the commercial or is it someone else covering it?
0: Yeah, it's his, it's okay. his version of it, but there have been a lot of cover songs. Uh, they're escaping my mind, but there's <laughs> but, you definitely know. a lot out there.
1: Yeah. Um, talk about your community in LA a little bit. I know you're a part of the Yep LA board. Um, and y'all have been working yes. on this really great, uh, coast to couch panel session that goes live on Facebook. And so first talk about your role um, on the board and what you've enjoyed most about that, especially during this time.
0: Yeah, um, so I was loosely involved in YEP Nashville when I was a student at Belmont there. Um, I always knew about it and I always knew that they had, you know, really great community and a resource really for everyone. Um, So when
1: I heard that they were... Do you mind re there's like a... So sometimes when you it there's like this weird like air sound when you move your phone sometimes. I don't know yeah. if it's something. Oh, okay. It's probably catching the fan. Hold on. I'm just gonna turn the fan off. Is that better? <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh the, my um God. <laughs> there was like one other time where it's like, but I can like eliminate it just in the audio. But your answer yeah. got interrupted by the wind. And so I was oh, like, shoot. I'm just okay. gonna let her like redo that one. What what do you know what it was? It was um it was, oh, I asked about your role on the YEP LA board oh, okay. and then the Coast to Couch and like what you've loved about that, especially during this time, you know, that whole community there in LA. Okay.
0: Hold on. I have to look up if it's couch to coach. I always say coach. Is um, it? Coast to couch, right? Mm-hmm. Coast to couch. Coast to couch. Okay. <laughs> Just have to say it a few times. Love it. Um, a tongue tie. All right. Yeah. So as a student at Belmont in Nashville, I was familiar with the YEP Nashville group and they were a great community resource. Um, when I heard that they were wanting to start an LA chapter, I was very interested and I had been helping with the Belmont West class in Los Angeles, um, bringing in speakers to cover the entertainment industry here and allow the students to learn more about that. Um, so it kind of seemed like a great way to bridge... That community, that group. Um, LA is a little different than Nashville because it's so spread out. It's really hard to have consistent, um, you know, run-ins at shows or going to events. Like Nashville is small in a way where it benefits the industry, where you can kind of you could go see three shows at three different venues in a night if you needed to, and you can do that in LA. It's just a little bit more of a stretch. Um, and it's hard to kind of like assimilate into the industry here because music is not at the forefront. It's definitely a strong presence, but film and TV, of course, is, is the driving force of the industry here. Um, and then you have, you know, sports and games and all of that, um, that may take more precedent in some people's minds. Um, but- Yeah. So the YEP LA board, we had our first year and did a handful of events. Um, We had a really successful sync round and I was able to bring in one of the artists that we worked with um, who had a a song in Riverdale. And she performed that and kind of explained what the basis was of of creating that song and how it got used. Um, And then we also did, I helped curate a trailer panel. So music for trailers and got a bunch of different perspectives from a trailer composer to the trailer supervisor and a studio exec that um, is the one clearing those songs. So that was really, really cool. Um, But with my my role is the director of collegiate outreach. So basically connecting the universities with the group um, and that kind of it felt fitting because I had just come off of helping teach the Belmont West class in L.A. Um, so it kind of meshed those worlds and um yeah, we're still we're trekking along, but the coach to couch coast to couch series is um kind of a way to bridge the two groups as a community and just kind of give a little insight into all these different areas of the industry. Um so we did the first one was on TikTok and we're doing I think we're gonna focus a lot on new media going forward. Um, so just different ways that during this time when everyone's at home, artists and musicians and producers can be making money, um, you know, allowing the business people to learn about these new media functions as well. Um, and then kind of opening it up beyond just music.
1: So like podcasts and live streams and that sort of thing. Yeah, because we're seeing a lot Definitely. of that.
0: Patreon. Yeah, like Patreon, Twitch, they've been mentioned a lot, and we're hoping to get some panels on that. Um, esports, video games, um, even mental wellness, just things that we, you know, you might be somewhat familiar with. Quibi's one, like just kind of taking a deep dive into what are these new medias? What are people doing right now? What are ways to be more effective? Um, and just helping the creators and also, the business
1: side of people. Um, going off your comment about Quibi, um, I know that advertising is, I mean, it is short form, but mm-hmm. how have you seen even that space take on this element of short form content to keep the attention of, you know, our society and inability to basically watch anything past like 30 minutes?
0: Yeah. Wait, what was the first part of that question? It cut out a little bit. Oh, no. (laughs) Um, Sorry. (laughs) No, you're fine.
1: (laughs) Um, So going off your comment about Quibi, the short form platform, um, how -hmm. have you seen even advertising take on elements of short form content? Mine is like, obviously, the timing of 30 to 60 seconds, but Mm -hmm. keeping the attention span of people watching.
0: Yeah, I think it, um, I honestly, I've seen ads be, this happens few and far between, but they're most effective when they are a silent ad, if, believe it or not. But I think it's happened in like a Super Bowl ad where they use like the, the actors from Anchorman and maybe a handful of others. But when there's no volume, if you're watching or you're even halfway watching TV, you notice that like you you, you know, it registers and you're like, is my TV broken? That's your immediate thought. And then you look and you see, no, it's still on, you know, there's people on the screen, but, and then they come at the end and say the brand or whatever it is. Um, I can find, I will find that and send the link to you um, of the spot that I think I'm thinking of. Um, But I think it's just, it's hitting, accentuating the marks within that six seconds that they have or the five second ad or 15 seconds. Um, You know, those cut downs from the 30 second version. I think it's having some kind of like stark instrument that sticks out or percussion that something that's really fast or grabs your attention. um, That's kind of ways that advertisers are using um, music to kind of get the attention.
1: Um, Do you catch yourself watching TV ads and kind of analyzing them in a sense coming from, you know, someone that works in that world or do you just watch, you know, as anyone else? A
0: thousand percent. I analyze and I watch and I listen to music that way. Um, When I'm listening for my own personal taste, I try to just enjoy it. But part of me, if if the lyrics are leaning into a certain story, I'm like, this would I can see this somewhere. Um, But I think that's a lot of people that work in the licensing and supervision world. It's it's hard not to listen or watch something and not be thinking about where else could this live, what else would this work Mm in. But it's almost like. Watching ads is like a research project for me, knowing what the current trends are, knowing what brands are using, um, seeing the spot that I might have worked on three months ago, might have sent music for, and then seeing it come to life. And you're like, oh, they went with that song, which isn't ours, so not a win for us, but it still turned out amazing. And then you're like, oh, I might know that writer or artist. That's awesome that they got that win. Um and just kind of I don't know, seeing how many hands went into it, and then the finished product—it's really cool. But yeah, it's definitely research to
1: to. Oh, up. can you see What's me? Oh, your oh, poor connection for a second. Yeah, that was weird. Okay,
0: did it go fuzzy?
1: <laughs> it did, but thankfully you can't hear it in the in the audio. Um, let me see. Turn just a little bit. Um. Lastly, I want to know as an educator. So being on the other side of teaching these, especially these, these Belmont West students, um, what kind of advice and tips that have you shared with them from your own personal experience and how they can keep up with those current trends that you were just speaking about? Yeah,
0: definitely. I think, um, I'm a big proponent of, newsletters and research and i probably read too many of them like my inbox is flooded with different newsletters and they're not all music related but news entertainment politics it all helps to just keep track of that um my biggest thing is you can have the best ear you can know your music up and down but when you're in a room or when you're in an elevator and somebody asks you about something you want to know what's going on in the world. You need to know um, for your own benefit. And I think, um, you know, having, they say have your elevator pitch ready, but also having an opinion. I'm always, I always tell students, have an opinion about something. If you actually don't like a song, it's okay to say that. You don't have to say that you outright hate it, but say, I don't like it because of this, you know, or not just being a yes man all the time. Um, Having an opinion sometimes does help because it might weigh the decisions that a company makes related to taking, you know, signing on a new artist, if you will. Um, and then I think just, just showing up, putting in the time and and connecting in genuine ways is a big thing as well.
1: I love that. Yeah, no, it's so true. Like, I mean, being able to say, Oh, this is the kind of music I actually enjoy. And, and I feel like those that really do have an opinion, like you were just speaking about, um, I feel like they have more of a focus on where they want their career to go. And they're able to really like genuinely be interested in what they're working on.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, It's not just a, a, you know, a a nonchalant. Yes. All the time. Like I want to know that, Oh, if if we're bringing an intern into our listening meeting for a submission, I want them to have listened to it. I want them. I want to know what they think. And, Often that's, you know, the interns are in the age demographic that marketers are going after. So I'm like, we want to know what you're listening to as well. So it's like a double fold of we're teaching them, they're teaching us at the same time.
1: I love that. Well, this has been super fun to catch up and hear everything Mom. that you've been experiencing and just your thoughts on um, how the industry and your world is changing due to due to quarantine and covid and all of that. Um, any final advice that you have for someone listening who wants to have a role like yours and you know how to pursue that, you know, now. How to brush up on oh, some goodness. skills. I know. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I would just say like, you know, you
0: can still listen to the music that you love but also like it helps to know a lot of other styles as well it doesn't mean you have to read the encyclopedia on music but just having you know expanding your palette your knowledge of music is only going to benefit you down the line and just again like keeping making and keeping those genuine connections goes a long way
1: i love that well it was great connecting with you so thanks so much for taking the time and everything
0: Of course. Thank
1: you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Young Entertainment Professionals Podcast. To get connected, visit yepnashville.com and follow Yep Nashville and Yep Los Angeles on social media. I'm your host, Libby Olerich, and until next time, discover, cultivate, accelerate.